Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing out there? Man, I tell you what, I just sense the grace of the Lord in this place. Um, I've got to announce today, you know, we're having our back to school bash, and um, the food we're getting is going to Canyon Creek School over here. Now, uh, Elizabeth is working there, so, you know, we get to carry influence with kids and, and uh, minister to them. She does a great job over there. They have been going through some trouble. They had a superintendent who, he, he told me, you know, many times how stressed he was with that job, and he took a new opportunity, so... You know, they have a lot of challenges on their plate. So they really love that we get to bless and, and, and engage them. And so um, I just want to pray for that school. If you think about it, pray for them. I know we're going to be a blessing to them. And I've heard from many of the board members how much they appreciate it. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Romans chapter 12. And I'm in a study, uh, one of my favorite topics. We're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, and you know, when, when someone gives you a gift, one of the common responses is, oh man, you shouldn't have done that. And I've been on both sides of it, giving and receiving. And God is the giver of gifts. He works through the gifts he gives. Sometimes we don't appreciate the gifts enough. And some of the gifts that he gives are truly magnificent. And so I get to highlight today uh, Romans chapter 12, what we call the motivational gifts. Let's read Romans 12 verses 6, 7, and 8. Here's what the Bible says. Having Gifts differing according to the grace. Someone said grace. Grace that's given to us. Aren't you grateful for grace? You ought to use those gifts. Uh, if it's prophecy, let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. If it's ministry or serving, liberality, he service. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the grace of God here and alive today. I pray for amplified grace. I pray it would just be abounding and excelling and increasing in the hearts and the minds of your people. I pray, Lord, great grace upon us as we study the scriptures and, and, and move closer to you. We pray that in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen and amen. Now, that passage I read has about seven spiritual gifts that are mentioned. And I did a little study on it. There's about 25 spiritual gifts mentioned throughout the scripture. And, you know, some of them are not mentioned. Now, I want to tell you about a particular spiritual gift that I have. Uh, it's called uh, the gift of throwing things away. <laughs> I, I, if you want trash thrown out at your house, I have the gift to do that. I learned it from my Uncle Steve. He said, if you haven't used it in a year, you ought to get rid of it. It was great advice. <laughs> So I remember one time uh, I had to get one of those huge cubic dumpsters, and I, I was up at my grandma's house up in Bainville. Now, grandma and grandpa had been through the Depression, so they had an, an innumerable amount of stuff. And I remember I got one of them filled up within a day and a half. We called for another one. I'm throwing stuff into that thing, and my grandpa was taking it out. <laughs> I mean, it was a real battle. So I'm making my way through, you know, the big garage they had. And, you know, I found in the corner, I found a pallet of beans that had been there since 1988. It was, this was the year 2008. So they'd been there 20 years, 50-pound bags of beans. And I had no greater joy than throwing them into the dumpster. And my grandpa had a conniption fit. Stop throwing them at my beans. And I was like, Grandpa, these are from 1988. Why do you got a pallet full of 35 bags in your garage? And he said, uh, well... They were on sale, which is like his common response, all right? I got them for a dollar a bag. They had a bumper crop that year. But secondly, you know, he was worried about like Y2K. He was worried about taking care of his community. So he said, I have those so that I can be a blessing to people in need. And, you know, the younger me, I was like, man, you're crazy, you know. And now I look back at it, I'm like, no, that man was motivated. 
He was motivated by uh, the gift of giving, and I think my grandpa had the gift of mercy. You know, he and my grandma were very generous, merciful people, and that's what he wanted to do. Now, this passage of Scripture is what we call motivational gifts. Three categories of spiritual gifts I've been teaching you about. We talked last week about ministry gifts. That's like people called to ministry offices, apostles, and uh, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And that's listed in Ephesians 4, where the minister, the person, is the gift. And we talked about what that produces in your life. Now, today we're highlighting motivational gifts. Next week, we'll talk about the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the word of knowledge, uh, the word of wisdom, um, you know, the working of miracles, those things. But today, I'm talking about the motivational gifts. That's what Romans 12 here is about. And what these refer to are God's sovereign endowments that he's given us that come out as natural tendencies. These are the things that you find easy to do, things that are easy for you. And we ran through seven of them. So the first one mentioned is, is the gift of prophecy. And I had a friend, Pastor Derek Kirkman. He was leading worship here before the Lord moved into Florida. And I'm telling you, that guy, he had this amazing ability to, to, in the prophetic ministry. I mean, he could just see in people's hearts, read their mail. I mean, he just really floated in it well. And then there's the gift of ministry or serving. Now, my Aunt Marcia is a glutton for punishment. So I think she's the greatest example of, uh, of this gift I've seen. She loves to help people. She's in Las Vegas with her son. You need to pray for him, man. He's, he's in a trial in his health, and she's down there taking care of him. She can't help herself. It, it compels her. Uh, there's a teaching gift, the ability to teach, instruct biblical doctrine. If you've ever sat under someone with the gift, you'll know it when it's an operation. There's the gift of giving, which is, you know, cheerful, sacrificial giving uh, from your heart. And uh, my friend Ted, his wife Carolyn, she has the gift of giving. She loves to give Elizabeth Christmas stuff. And I'm like, ho, ho, no, stop that. We got plenty of Christmas stuff. Elizabeth was like, yeah, last night looking at more Christmas stuff. Yeah, so I'm not telling Carolyn that. <laughs> uh, there's the gift of leadership, which is like administrational stuff. Now, where's my friend, Ari Hagel? Yeah, she runs a homeschool co-op, and they meet down here, and I'm telling you, she knows how to organize, put things together, lead with efficiency. People follow that. They respond to that. It's natural. It's not something that she works for. It just happens naturally. And then there's the gift of mercy, which is the ability to look beyond faults. And I have a brother-in-law, man. He is super sappy. Now, he gets just caught up in, in loving to, you know, just extend grace to people, mercy when they need it. And I need more of that in my life. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I heard that. Amen. Now, I, I've taught through this passage before, and I've taught, you know, the corresponding verses that follow it. You can take the next verses, and you can see how they match up with those seven mentioned. Uh, but I always like to bring something new and fresh. So I was praying this morning and, and this, this week. And I felt the Lord impress me from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'd like you to go there. 2 Timothy 1. And I'm going to highlight the, the, the word motivation. It, it really stirred in my spirit. These are motivational gifts. And so when we're talking about things that motivate you, I wanted to do some teaching on that. So 2 Timothy 1 and verse 9. Uh, here, here's the verse. It says that God has called us with a holy calling. It says it's not according to our works. Now, let me just highlight to you that uh, in the world, it's the only religion, the only uh, book, uh, holy book, that teaches that our salvation is through grace. It's not according to your works. It's according to God's own purpose and grace. Someone say purpose and grace. grace. Which it says was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, I was reading this, and I saw 
this, this phrase, purpose and grace. And it was kind of like a mathematical equation exploded in my spirit. The idea here is that purpose plus grace produce motivation in your life. When you have a sense of purpose, and when you're walking in the grace of God, the, the gifts that he's given you, that is one of the driving forces behind a motivation taking place. You know, the purpose of God is the plan of God. He put forth here, it says, before the foundations of the world. And the grace of God is that unique ability. The Greek word is charis. It's, it's something that God has given you in his giftings. And he's endowed every person with these things. He's endowed us all with uh, a gift, gifts, plural gifts. He's endowed everyone with a purpose in life, and they are unique. They are specific to you, hand-tailored to your life. And this is one of the cries I have found that is in the hearts of people. People long to know what their purpose is. People have a great desire to discover what their gifts are, their talents are, and to utilize those gifts and talents. I mean, I've, I've been pastoring now for quite a while, and it's like, man, I see this with people. So if, if that's you, if, if you're thinking, man, I'd love to know what the purpose of God is for my life. I'd like to know more about the gifts that I have. Let, let me just encourage you with a couple things. You ought to, first of all, seek the Lord. Go to him and pray. And I remember praying when I was a young man, and, and God really put on my heart a burden for what the future was for me. And I got that because I sought him. I asked him. I spent time with him. Another way that you might discover the gifts and the talents of God uh, is when you fellowship with people that can see the potential that exists within you, positive people who can see the grace that God has given to you. If you look at the context here, we're in 2 Timothy, and just a few verses before that, Paul was encouraging Timothy about the generational blessings he got from his grandmother Lois, his, his mother Eunice. And, and he was saying, man, that, that, that God has blessed you with these things and he could see the potential in it. So you ought to hang out people that will tell you the truth and you can see, and they can see the potential in you. Now, I have discovered as I was going through this passage then, what I would highlight as uh, some mandates for the motivated. I'm a motivated person. Uh, motivation is the willingness to accomplish goals. I love a goal. I love to chase something down and go after it. I work for it. It motivates me. And I, and I find that people who are motivated for certain things that they want to achieve in life, things they want to do, uh, it's like, man, this is what you're going to have to do. So the first man that I want to highlight, we're in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 10. It said that salvation has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who it says has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Man, that's salvation. Jesus came, and you need a revelation of who Jesus is, the glorious light of God shining in your spirit for you to know him, know your need as a sinner, and have a relationship with him. And Paul said when that took place on his life, remember on the Damascus road, he had a light shine before him, and, and, and he discovered that he'd been persecuting Jesus. And that was when God called him. Look at verse 11. He said, to which I was appointed. Someone say appointed. Yeah. An apostle, a teacher, and, and, and a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So the first thing that, that I see in this passage of Scripture, we talk about an appointment, is destiny. A sense of destiny is a motivating force. It motivates me. Now, Paul had this assignment from God. The call of God was placed upon him. That's what that word means, appointed. It was a burden laid upon his shoulders. And he talked about this light that came to him there on that road to Damascus, a light that overwhelmed him. You know, God has an assignment for every person. 
Uh, Paul had this date with destiny. Uh, he was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And you know his personality was wired in such a way that this is exactly what he was called to. Man, he was a preacher. This dude would go different places. Uh, he was an educated man, so he knew how to teach the Scripture. He knew how to teach the law. And, and he was a militant-minded person. I mean, his skill set was pretty incredible. Like, like he, he was a disciplined person, a hard worker. He traveled the Roman world at that time, uh, you know, sharing the faith. That was a very difficult thing. I mean, it was difficult enough for me to travel to certain places of the world. I can't imagine what that would be like in the first century. And yet Paul is pressing, pressing, pressing to do the will of God. He, he had this skill set God had given him. He had a call of God. He had a date with destiny. And you have a date with destiny. And, and that date with destiny that God has set before you is something that's ancient. It's interesting that the scripture said it was before the foundations of the world. Jeremiah said that when he was in his mother's womb, God called him as a prophet to the nations. I, I like there's, there's a verse in uh, the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. I think I have it on the screen. 1 Peter 4.10. It says that as each one has received a gift, each person has been given a gift. From, from ancient times, man, God preordained it. He gave it to you. It's sovereign. There's nothing you can do about it. It's been given to you. We've all received a gift. And, and that gift is something that he's put in your life for you, it says, to minister to one another. So the, the date you have with destiny is not just an ancient part of God's plan deposited aeons ago in the past. It's also something for the present moment. It's current. The date with destiny you have is for the here and now. As each person has received a gift, it says minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace, there, there's our spiritual gifts, the grace of God. What are you doing with the gifts that God has given to you? You know, sometimes it feels like the gifts that God gives can be mundane. Like you're just going through the motions. They, they sometimes don't feel particularly exciting. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I bought a home a few years ago that was in dire need of a fix-up. And then, you know, a few weeks ago, we got ourselves into another extraordinary project. And I remember, you know, as I was working on that one fixer-upper home, I think, man, uh, this is boring. It's hard. I don't know if I like it. But I had a sense that God was using that in that moment to prepare me for something bigger and better and greater. It's exactly what he's done. And it's like, Sometimes when you're in the middle of just using the things that God has given you, it can just seem like natural, you're not thinking about it, maybe mundane, maybe boring, and yet in the middle of that, God is developing something. He's working something in you. So you have a date with destiny, not just in the past, not in the here and now and the present, but for future purposes. I like what Jesus said in John 16, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. In the book of Jeremiah, he said to them, he said that he'd given them a future and a hope. That's what you have a future and a hope. You know, I remember when my dad died. And, you know, I was 20 at the time, and I think my mom was about 50 when he died. So mom, she was kind of, you know, in that grieving process, uh, which took, you know, 18 months, something like that. I remember being up in the house talking to my mother. She was 52, and, and she was real depressed. I said, Mom, I think you're depressed because you don't feel like you have a sense of vision for your life. And that really hit her. She said, that's exactly how I'm feeling. I feel like I don't have a vision ahead of me. I don't have a purpose for where I'm at. And the thing I've discovered about God and these unique gifts, talents, and abilities he's given you is that you always have a future with him. 
It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter, you know, if you think the season has passed you by, you should not cast away your confidence, which the Bible says has great reward in your life. That there's something purposeful that God has for you in your future right ahead of you. And if you could ever just get a hold of what he's put in your life and operate in that thing, I'm telling you, you would find a marvelous future. So there's a sense of destiny that motivates us. Let me give you a second mandate. Look here at verse number 12. Paul said, for this reason, I suffer these things. Someone say suffer. I suffer these things. He said, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. And I want to just kind of highlight that sentence right there. Here's the thing you got to know about motivation. When you're motivated, it will keep you steady through difficulties, through some of the sufferings, trials, tribulations you go through. Now, I hate to be blunt with you, but it's like living in this culture in America, in, in, in the you know, Christian culture today. There's very few people that have a real genuine theology when it comes to suffering. And the first century church was persecuted. I had the opportunity to go to the Mamertine prison in Rome this year, one of the great moments of my life. I enjoyed seeing that. If you look back up at what Paul said in the eighth verse, he said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner. I've been to the prison he was in. But share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. You know, that trip on the way back from Rome, we'd been in Pakistan doing missions work. Have you seen Pakistan today? It is like they're having tremendous persecution over there. Now, I went there, and literally Pakistan is like a, a dumpster can. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's no trash collection system. It is, it is just filthy beyond what you can imagine, and now it is a dumpster fire. I'm just telling you. Like, people are getting killed. They're, I'm getting emails from Pakistanis about help, pray for us. It is in trouble. Persecution is real and existing in places like that. But when you carry a sense of purpose... When you're carrying the grace of God, you can go through anything in order for you to fulfill his will. Here's the thing you got to think about. The gifts and the call of God, they might actually be some of the source of your suffering. You know, Paul was a preacher. He got put in prison for preaching. I was reading the book by a man named Richard Wumberton. It was called Tortured for Christ. He spent 14 years where the Soviets imprisoned him. He was a Lutheran pastor, and the man kept getting himself in trouble because he was outgoing by nature, and, and he was always sharing his faith, and they'd throw him in prison. I, my friend, Pastor Derek, he, he used to tell me privately, he'd say, sometimes the prophetic gift that he had would get him in trouble. It was like, man, things would happen. I've seen people who, if they don't use wisdom and don't temper gifts that God has given, it's like they can get in trouble. I have know people who've extended too much mercy to people in situations. That gift that God has given you, it might actually be the source behind some of the things you're going through. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, sometimes people really suffer emotionally. Now, I know just about every one of y'all in here, and I know that nobody here has been in prison for preaching or for sharing their faith. (laughs) But the prison that a lot of people live in is in their minds, and where they don't feel accepted, you know, they, they're carrying deep sense of wounds. They may be struggling with a, a rejection that they're carrying, or they're too caught up with the opinions of other people. I know I have been there many times in my life. But the love, what I found is that God's love is freeing. It's motivating. It, it's, it, it's like, man, when you got the love of God in your life, it helps you overcome emotional 
turmoil, bondage that helps get you through the, the sense of pain that you're going through. And it all comes down to, he loves me. He's got a plan for my life. I'm going to stick with it. Motivation is what enables you to push beyond pain sometimes. Uh, you know, the funny thing about waking up early in the morning is it's a very painful thing. You know what I'm saying? When that alarm clock hits, bat, bat, bat. anyone enjoy that sound? <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> and I, I get up a couple days of the week, uh, right about 4.30, I like to go down to the gym. And then we run two or three miles. And there's a measure of suffering that's associated with that. But I do like walking out at about 6 o'clock and seeing that beautiful sky and feeling an endorphin rush in my brain and feeling like I can go out and take the day on. And I'm motivated. I, I like to go through that. Even though it's painful, it, it helps me push beyond things. I think about Pastor David. You know, we're going to bring the kids in here and pray for a little while. Pastor David, he was teaching on the subject of suffering with me. He, uh, he, he's back there working with the kids. I wouldn't say it's his passion. I wouldn't say it's his skill set particularly. But I would say that David is very motivated for his children. He's motivated because God put something in his heart about what the future holds. And so he's willing to do whatever it takes to help be a blessing to this church, help raise up godly kids. That is motivation. And when you got that kind of motivation in you, you will push beyond difficulties in order to fulfill the will of God for your life. The thing about life is it throws you curveballs, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes you get lemons in life. But with the grace of God and motivation, you can make lemonade. Come on, somebody. You can hit a curveball outside of the park because God's ability is right there to help you. If you, stay, if you know that thing inside you that's driving you, if you've got a cause pushing you for something, you'll stay motivated. You'll get through the difficulties. Now, number three here, third mandate. I'm in this 12th verse still. He said, for this reason, I suffer these things. But he said, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And he said, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed. Someone say committed. He said, he's able to keep what I've committed him until that day. Yeah. Now, here's the third thing I want to say about this. That my motivation is only as strong as my devotion. I'm a commitment to him. Paul was entrusted. Uh, he, he trusted his life to the Lord uh, he had a personal relationship and a personal commitment to him. Just before I had the chance to go to you know, Rome and say all that, I was in, in Washington, D.C., and I met a man named Richard Brunson. You might have heard me talk about him. Richard Brunson was put in prison in Turkey for several months, and it took President Trump threatening to blow up Turkey to get him out of there. You all remember that? Yeah. So Richard Brunson told me, he said that he almost lost his mind after being in prison for... 18 or 24 months, something like that. He said the only thing that really kept him in his mind was that he had an intimate relationship with the Lord. And he said the suffering he went through was just an incredible thing. Paul's saying the same thing. He's in prison. He's been persecuted. He's been beaten up. But he was totally committed to the call of God. He was motivated by things not seen. You know, our salvation is a little bit like marriage. Uh, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. And what I've discovered about marriage is the longer Elizabeth and I are married, uh, the better we are for one another. <laughs> like, like, you know, we know each other well. We can pick each other up when we're down. We balance each other out. And then we even know when we're, like, really having a fight or just bickering, you know. <laughs> Relationships are the thing. The closer I've gotten to the Lord, the more motivated I've become. I have become more motivated 
spending time with the Lord. I'm motivated to live godly and live righteously. I, I'm telling you, I want to live for Him. Like, like I, I want to be close to Him. I, I don't want to have, like, I don't want to look at pornography. I've, I've really never struggled with that thing, but it, it can be a vice for people, and I don't want that in my life. One thing I let go of was getting drunk because it was too much fun, and I felt like that's something that was interrupting my relationship with God. And, and I had to let that go. I, I'm motivated to get close to it. I don't want to have fights with my wife. It's exhausting. It makes you feel horrible. I enjoy being close to the Lord. I, I'm, I'm motivated, man. I, I'm motivated to grow as a person. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I, I want to you know, be the best that I can be. And I'm looking for ways to grow educate myself. And as I do that, wisdom comes into my life so I can solve problems. I don't have to get stressed out because I'm motivated for growth. I'm motivated to fulfill the will of God for my life. And every day I get up, I'm thinking about God's plan, God's purpose. I want to fulfill that for my life. The closer I get to him, the more motivated I become to say, Lord, I'm going after you today. Here's what else I've discovered about staying motivated. The, the, the closer I've gotten to the Lord, uh, the more my gifts have flourished. The gifts that God have given me. It, it, it's like uh, I get to exercise them. You know, the funny thing about God, he puts you in situations where you get to exercise those gifts. And he might do it on a daily basis. And if you're close to him and, and you're drawn near to him, you've committed your life to him, there, there's opportunities that abound. You know, I have a, a, the call of God, I think, to pastor. It, it's in my heart. And you know, sometimes the Lord in the middle of the night will just give me a dream or visit me and I'll, you know, be praying for backsliders. This just happened to me this week, man. I, I saw, you know, in a dream, something that was driving someone I've been praying for. I saw the wound, the pain that was there. That's a gift in operation. And it was just stirring me to, to pray for. I get to exercise that. Uh, you know, I, I think about the teaching gift God has given me. It, like, it gets to be fairly easy. It's not hard to come up with things. It's natural. It's just kind of the way I'm wired and the way he puts it together. It's like, man, it just takes place. Or the encouragement gift. I always try to find something positive to say to somebody. I like to get that encouraged. If I can see something positive about somebody, I like to identify. I found that's a force multiplier. I found it builds people up, picks them up. And the same thing is true for you. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you walk with him, the more those gifts, those talents, those things can be in operation so you can be a blessing and you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. It motivates you. The closer I've gotten to the Lord, I'll tell you what else has changed is my perspectives have grown. They have matured. I think about the perspectives I have, you know, with my marriage and my kids. There was a time in life I never wanted to have, you know, three kids. I always wanted two. And the Lord turned my heart and I'm so grateful to have three kids. God turned my heart. He gave me a bigger perspective about it. I think about the ministry. My perspective about that has changed. Because, you know, it's really not what you think it is. I've learned that from many different people who are in the ministry. The thing I've learned about the ministry this year that I never understood before is that there's a certain measure of suffering that is involved in the ministry. It's sort of one of those things I've picked up with. Because, you know, on the one hand, you can tell people things, but people don't listen to the preacher. I'm just telling you the truth. A lot of times they lie to me. I see y'all. <laughs> they won't listen to what you say. It can be a painful thing to watch. On the other hand, I feel God has given me more compassion for people. So it's like, man, that, that sense of love, that sense of 
I want to build someone up. I want to bless someone. I want to encourage them. That gets built up as well. I think about the perspectives I have about eternity. Man, that has changed. The thing about life, it goes by fast. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm sitting here at 42, and I'm thinking, man, life is like halfway through, and that went fast. And I was talking to older people who said, man, it goes by even faster as you age. So here's the thing. You don't want to waste your life. You want to use the things that God has given to you to be a blessing to other people. I think about what Paul said here in this 12th verse, that he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Someone say that day. Yeah, there is a day coming when you're going to have to give an account of the things you've done for the Lord. You're going to give an account of those gifts and talents that he gave you. And it ain't going to be good enough to say, well, I didn't know what they were. I mean, there's whole parables in the Bible about it, Jesus said. It's a wicked thing when you don't ever develop it, grow it, use it, minister it. Well, I read the verse in 1 Peter, if you've received the gift, minister it to one another. And so you got to be serious about it. And the scary thing about the times we live in, it's like younger people, in particular millennials, uh, they appear to be totally caught up in such a self-indulsive lifestyle that they never think about being a blessing to somebody else. I'm just telling you where the society's at, man. I watch it. I watch people who have a hard time being a servant, utilizing that skill set, that gift that God has given them. And, and a lot of times it's just like everything is about me in this culture. We have a, a culture that is totally self-indulgent. You know, I was thinking about my grandfather. You know, he was uh, not a millennial. Grandpa was from the World War II generation. He was uh, the, the builder generation. And I, I love that generation. He went through the Great Depression. Like I said, that's why I had to throw away all of his stuff. And uh, he went through World War II. He got shot down by the Nazis. I remember complaining to Grandma about immigration, how long it was taking us. And Grandma was like, I don't worry about your immigration process. Grandpa got shot down by the Nazis and was missing in action for 10 days. I don't know if he's alive or dead. I was like, all right, you win. You win. I appreciate that generation's devotion, their dedication to the Lord, man. I, I watched it. I, I had the privilege of living with them, seeing how much they would serve and sacrifice for people. I feel like that's missing in our society today. I feel like that there's so many people caught up in it for themselves. And, and so I think about what I saw with my grandpa. Now, I'm going to get the kids in here and pray over them. And I feel the spirit of the Lord here. So I, we'll do that here in a moment. But I, I want to just talk to you right, right where you're sitting this morning. Uh, like, are, are you carrying a sense of destiny and purpose for your life? Is it real in you? I'm telling you, it's a cry of people's hearts. Is it something that's alive on the inside? If it is, I want to challenge you, man. Pursue it, seek it, run after it, go for it. There's no other purpose worth living than the purpose of the Lord. All the self-indulgent life's pleasures that you could get will never satisfy compared to God's purpose for your life. It's the way he created you to be. If you haven't discovered, if you're like, man, I wish I knew that. Go after him and seek the Lord for it. Pray, ask him. Get with the right people. Have him tell you the truth. You maybe try something new. What you really need is a revelation from God for him to, say, to show it to you. And the crazy thing about it, this is what I've discovered about God's plan and purpose. It's like, it, it's like it doesn't, you, the specifics aren't there. It, it's you you kind of have these impressions on what to do. And the thing plays out as you walk it out. I'm just wait here at the door for I want to pray for you guys, and then we'll get the kids in a minute. You, you got to walk out the, the plan of God as it comes to you. And, and it just takes some time to seek Him. Or maybe, you know, it, it could be about being stumped by a trial. 
Maybe you need motivation. I know people who they get kind of stuck at something and, and they're not able to get beyond it. But I found you can find motivation. That's what Jesus said. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking and the door will be open. If there is a, if there's a trial, if there's a problem, if you're stuck somewhere at an impasse, you can find the motivation to get beyond it if you get close to the Lord. Motivation is only as strong as your relationship with the Lord. Where is your relationship with God at? That could be the reason why you haven't discovered a purpose because you're really not serious about your own relationship with God. I watch that people. They, they wonder, they, they want to know what it is, but they don't really go after God like they need to. Going after the Lord, following closely after Him, seeking His face. When you get that way, that motivation kicks in. That's where the gift of God gets stirred within you and you get to be a blessing to somebody else. I feel passionate about it because I have experienced it. Man. I, 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 am, I, I have found a purpose for my life and I want to go after it. Now, I want to pray over you and I want to pray over these kids and I feel the Lord here. So, Father, I just thank you. I pray gifts and talents. Ooh, the Spirit of God fan the flame on the inside of people. I pray it gets stirred up like never before. I pray for clarity and insight. I would just sit, Brissa, I was sitting here and I just saw your face and I could see it. You want to know what God's called you to do. Can I pray over you? I'm going to pray for you individually. All right, Father, in Jesus' name, I, I, I thank you for the revelation at a young age to know what to do. God, give her burden, give her purpose. Not purposeless, purpose. The, the call of God that you have for a specific thing with security to know what she's called to do. I pray that would take place in her life. I pray that over this people. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Stir us up, God, to greater things. Greater things, deeper things, more wonderful things. Mm. Desires of our hearts coming to pass in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. All right. I feel like praying over children. You can bring them on now. I'm ready. It's my favorite part of the day. How many of y'all love children? I used to not love children. Then I have my own. Now I love them. Now I care so much. And they're sticky fingers. And they, they eat your food when you're not looking. And they drink your water bottles and get you get sick. But I still love them. So, and stand up in the front. Just line up all the way across the front here, guys. We got a church full of children here. Now, I am telling you, I have a burden for the next generation. If God ever visited, if you're in high school, you can come on down here too, man. Junior high, high school. I would love, I want to just pray because if you're in high school, Lord knows you need, your, you need us to pray over you. And high school today ain't like high school yesterday. So any, anyone who's in high school, anyone student in here, junior high, I want to pray over you. And we're just going to bless you and pray protection upon you and God's hand with you. And there's just something wonderful about children. There's something amazing about the destiny they have. Yeah. Listen, man, at Dreams and Visions, God has spoke to me and showed me the future. And he showed me this place filled with children and young people. That's what he showed me. It's coming. Multiplying generation. I feel it right there. Multiplying. God's going to multiply children in our midst. Oh, Lord. Reach a hand out to these guys. I want to pray over them. All right. I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for these kids. I thank you for what's ahead of them. And I want to pray for the protection of the Lord upon them in Jesus' name. The protecting hand of God. That you're with them. You watch out over them. You protect them. I pray, Lord, for good decisions. I pray, Father, they get motivated to fulfill the will of God. I pray, Lord, they make wise choices with their life. We, we pray uh, a hedge of protection over them in Jesus' name, a hedge of protection. Barriers focused on God's purpose for their life. I pray that over them in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the plan that you have for them. 
And Lord, I, I pray the wisdom of God. They grow wisdom and grace in the knowledge of the Lord. I pray that. Jesus grew wisdom and stature, favor with God and favor with men. And I pray the same thing over these children. They grow wisdom, stature, and favor everywhere they go. I pray the purpose of God upon them. Gifts and talents. Thank you for increasing them and growing them. Thank you, Father, for uh, skill sets yet to be discovered. You know, when you're young, you don't always know what, what, what skill sets you have. And you've got like a blank canvas of potential ahead of you. And I pray over them right now the potential of the Lord. I pray over them in the name of Jesus. I bless them. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon them. I just thank you. And my heart gets touched when I think about kids. Uh, I want to, um, I pray that in Jesus' name. I, I just want to acknowledge Pastor David and Ms. Julie for all of the hard work and all the kids' workers. Where's Jeff at? Is Jeff here? Jeff. All the stuff. Man, being involved, that, that's using the skill set God's given you, man, to impass it to the next generation. And the older I get, the more my heart yearns for that. I want to see that take place in my kids and the generations to come. Let's stand up this morning. And I just sense God's presence, man. We're going to have a great time today. We got... I think the food truck outside, and you all get free Sandy's food. And then we've got the rock walls so these kids can use, run off all their steam and axe throwing. Be careful in the axe throwing, okay, guys? <laughs> they got it staffed. It's all right. <laughs> and if you brought food, it goes to Canyon Creek School. We'd love to have that. But I just want to take a moment, and let's just receive the gifts God has given us. Now, you kids, just do this with me. Reach your hands up in the air. Say, Father, I receive purpose, gifts, callings, grace into my life, and I'm going to use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right. I will let them be dismissed. So we love you. Hope you hang out today. If you want prayer, we're here for you. Uh, give these kids a hug on the way out. Smile at them. We love you very much. I hope to hang out with you later here. Amen and amen.